Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to An Amber A Day, the functional nutrition podcast. I am your host, Amber Fisher, and this is episode 51. Uh, wow. 51 episodes. I was going to commemorate 50 episodes, which came out last week, but I ended up publishing a lovely chat that I had with my friend, uh, client, and now health coach, Linnea Hill, um, about her experiences resolving a lot of her PCOS symptoms with nutrition. And uh, I felt like that one couldn't wait, so I had to publish that one. But so I missed my chance to say, "Hey, we made it to fifty episodes." Um, but I'm really excited about that. You know, that was that was a big hurdle. Uh, some of the statistics that I've read, podcast statistics. You know, because who doesn't keep up with podcast statistics? Uh, but some of the statistics statistics that I've read have said that most podcasts don't make it past, uh, I think the seventh episode or something like that. So, uh, when I made it past that hurdle, I was like, okay, good. We did this. And as many of you have been listening for a long time know, I've been through a lot over the last, uh, almost three years since this podcast started back in November 2018 been through a lot of different things. And so I've taken some time off here and there from, from the podcast, but I am so glad that I made a commitment to myself to get back out there and to do this regularly. Um, it was about a year ago now that I made that decision. So I'm kind of also celebrating that like a year of doing the podcast almost weekly. Um, so that's exciting. You know, it's a big, um, big exciting thing for me. Hopefully some of you are excited about that too. Uh, I know a lot of you have been part of my journey here as I've grown my practice and as I have um, developed my opinions and thoughts on nutrition. And I can't thank you enough for being here. It really, my podcast listeners are like my fam, you know, you guys are special. So thank you. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Well, first I want to, of course, take the first five minutes or so and update you all on what's going on in my life because, you know, we always do that. But also today I thought as a commemorative thing, I'd like to go backwards and talk about some of the ways that my opinions about nutrition have changed since I started this podcast. So nutrition is an ever evolving field and uh, the knowledge base about it changes all the time. Um, the research gets updated, new things come out. Um, and as a practitioner with experience, I have also changed and morphed and adjusted my ideas about nutrition and about life in general. Uh, when I started this podcast, a lot was different. So I want to talk about that today. And um, hopefully, I'm hoping too that some of you who are newer listeners who are maybe planning to go backwards and listen to early episodes of the podcast will maybe listen to this first. So you can, if you do hear something back, way back in 2018, 
that doesn't seem to kind of go with my whole deal now, um, you can hopefully maybe see how my thought process has evolved. Um, I still think it's valuable to keep all that old stuff out there um, because I did say a lot of things that I'm proud of and that were good um, and wise, but also, you know, I've matured in my practice and so my opinions have matured too. So I'll talk about that today. But first, let me just give you a little update on everything. Um, update number one, I'm in a new chair. So if you're watching on YouTube, hi, um, this is my new chair. It's, you know, well, you can't see it, but it's like gold and fab. Um, I'm redoing my office in here. You guys can see I have a different background. I'm just trying some different things out. Um, trying to figure out, you know, how I want thing, things arranged and how it's going to look best and uh, feel the most at home. I am settling in to, uh, it's been more than a year now that I have been fully virtual and I am settling into the virtual life. Uh, considering going back to the office, maybe at some point, but I'm not in a big hurry to do it. Um, and you know, those of you who are clients, thank you so much for being flexible with me as I kind of make those adjustments. COVID really kind of threw everything for a loop. Um, but especially for me with my practice, it completely changed all my systems and everything that I had set in place before. So I've been learning and adjusting to a, you know, I hate this phrase, but to a new normal. And, uh, yeah, and I feel like I'm finally a year in kind of like resigning myself to the fact that like, yeah, I think I like it like this and I think I'm going to keep it this way. So that's been interesting. Um, the biggest new development that's been going on since the last time I updated you all is that I hired a health coach. Super, super exciting. Um, so those of you who are clients know that I already have um, some help and support behind the scenes with administrative things, uh, but I have never had somebody actually help me with the nutrition aspects. And I am... Yeah, you might say a bit of a control freak. Um, so I like to do everything myself. I like to make sure that everything is like just how I want it. Um, maybe a bit of a perfectionist, but I have reached the point in my practice where it's time. It's time to have a little bit more help. And um, the entire thought process behind it was that I want to really be able to provide more support to the people that are working with me. Uh, so my new health coach, Linnea. Um, the reason that her and I decided to team up is that Linnea and I get along really well. She has a great knowledge base of nutrition and uh, she has been through this work herself. And Linnea is one of the clients. Uh, there are others, Carrie, are you listening? Um, who are always giving me great recommendations for books and recipes and just staying on the pulse of what's new in nutrition, what's new in like functional nutrition, and really, you know, interested in this field in a way that as a practitioner, I haven't been in, you know, a long time. So I get most of my learning from my continuing education, from my, you know, I refer back to my like textbooks. Um, I go on PubMed. I follow some other really great functional uh, medicine providers and kind of listen to what they have to say about different things. 
but I don't do a lot of like reading of kind of like the latest recipe books or, um, you know, the newest like apps and the newest products and all these other things. I just, I, I kind of have my routine with how I eat and I just sort of stick to that. So I'm always excited to hear about new stuff. Um, and I feel like that's something that I've been lacking in giving advice for my clients about. I have some go-tos and things, but I wanted more. I wanted to have somebody who was really like newer into this and really um, up to date with stuff to kind of help people if they are struggling to find snacks or, you know, if they're just struggling at all to kind of give them ideas. Um, so she's going to be helping me behind the scenes a lot with, with that. She is going to be doing some support of, of my, uh, clients in between their appointments and things like that. Um, I'm still going to be doing the majority of the, um, support work because that's important to me that I be, you know, the main, um, the main support system for, for my clients going through this process, but she's going to be helping. And then behind the scenes, she's going to be working on all kinds of cool stuff. So lots of like really cool um, reference documents uh, where we can say like, you know, these are hidden sources of this or that, or these are great snacks for if you're egg-free, dairy-free, and gluten-free or something like that, you know? So things that I've always kind of wanted to do and just never have time to sit down and do. Lene is going to help me with that. Really excited about having her on. And um, we just started our training uh, yesterday. So it was it was great. So I'm excited. So Lene, if you're listening, I'm so super excited that you're on board. Um, so look out for more about that, uh, clients. And then she may also be helping me some with, um, social media and things like that. So, um, those of you who are not clients, but who follow me on social, you might be getting to know Linnea a bit. So that is what's new. What are we talking about today? Well, I want to talk to you guys about where, how my opinions have changed, right? So I'm just going to reminisce, you know, if you're not into reminiscing, this may not be the podcast for you, but I'm so nostalgic. So I, I was thinking about when I first decided to do a podcast. It was back November 2018. I was going through a little bit of a, of a rough time emotionally, just some different personal stuff going on. And I was feeling very, um, very much that I had been similar to how I started feeling last year, where I, I felt a little bit like okay, I'm just languishing in the shadows here. And I, I kind of want to do something more big, more public. Um, I remember at the time, a lot of my dreams were that I wanted to have a larger social media following so that I could get a lot of this information out to the world and help some people who, you know, maybe had never heard of functional nutrition. And I also really wanted to um, transition myself to doing more work where I could work from anywhere. And so I started the podcast as this way of just talking about diet and health, which of course I love to do, and also connecting with people from afar. My vision was for it to be a question and answer podcast, actually. Um, so originally my thought process was that I wanted people to write in questions, and then I would answer them on the air. And um, what I didn't 
realize really when I started a podcast was that at the time I started a podcast, the market for podcasts was very saturated. And now even more so, it seems like everybody has a podcast. Um, so there's tons of different options for you if you want to listen to a nutrition podcast, of course. Um, and thank you for listening to this one. But uh, at the time I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm like, this is going to be my thing. Like, I'm going to like, you know, my podcast is going to be my job eventually is what I, what I kind of thought. And, you know, it's funny because looking back on, on that, you know, it's a little bit like immature. Um, and, uh, but I also really admire my, um, I admire my confidence, you know, and in some ways I, this year has tested my confidence a lot. And so sometimes I look back on things that I used to do, you know, way back when my practice started and I'm like, wow, like I used to go give talks and, um, you know, I would, uh, I would do like videos, like live videos on Facebook and, and, uh, these different things. And I'm like, wow, I, it's amazing to me that I had the confidence to do that. Like I just, I just did it, you know? Um, and now I like, I, I do it still, but I struggle with all of that stuff. So, um, just interesting interesting changes over the years. But my original idea was was for my podcast to kind of be where I could really get a lot of this information out to the world. I wanted to talk about functional nutrition. I wanted to talk about all the different things that I did. And back then I did a lot of different things. I hadn't specialized yet. So I did, I, I helped men and women. Um, I did a lot of weight loss work back when I started the podcast. Um, I was at that point in time in 2000, in 2018, I'd already been in practice for a little while. So I, uh, I was kind of starting to like narrow down on what I wanted to, to do. Um, I knew from the beginning of my practice that I wanted to do women's health and nutrition. And I knew that I wanted to do hormones. And when I was um, in my master's program, that was what I did my little, you know, dissertation. Oh, it wasn't a dissertation because I, I didn't, I don't have a PhD, but my master's thesis, that's what it's called. My thesis on, on hormones, PCOS um, and hormones. And so I always knew that I wanted to, to do that, but I struggled with how to get there. And, uh, by, by 2018, I was, I was like starting to kind of sometimes get some of that work and that was exciting. Uh, but I hadn't uh, really built a name for myself doing that yet. So I was, I was doing a lot of general stuff. Um, and it was, it was fun. You know, I, I learned a lot. Uh, sometimes I look back on those days and I'm like, wow, I, you know, that was such an opportunity for me because I really got to help people of all different ages, um, with all different conditions. Uh, I, I really worked on some unique things and I learned a lot during that process. And what I tried to do in the podcast was take a lot of what I had learned and what I saw clients struggling with and put it into an inf kind of an informative form. So some of the earlier podcasts are about, there's a lot of focus on weight loss. Um, um, and, this and at the time in 2018, I was doing a lot of keto. So those of you who have listened to more recent podcasts know that I'm like not the hugest fan of keto, right? I don't, I don't usually recommend it in my practice. I don't usually make, um, super low, like very low carb diets. Um, because over the years, my opinions have changed on this. So, uh, and the way they've changed is that at the time, 
Keto was just sort of becoming a big trend. And um, the benefit of keto was that I did see firsthand that it could lower people's um, blood glucose. It could lower their A1C. It could uh, really make a big difference in like insulin resistance. And the weight would come off fairly quickly with keto. And I did this with... uh, all kinds of different. I, I had so I, w- I was working for another nutritionist, and she had like a weight loss sort of program, and I was kind of like selling the program and then like supporting people through that. Um, so I was doing some of my own like client work and like developing my own meal plans, but I was also sort of doing like her work too, um, or not her work, but I was doing um, I was doing stuff that she had already made and organized particularly this weight loss program. So, uh, Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. What was fascinating about that experience was that people would lose weight on keto. Don't get me wrong. They would lose weight. Um, their insulin would get better. Like a lot of times their cholesterol um, would improve. And I would have them doing um, what I would call now maybe clean keto. So I uh, they were eating, you know, protein. Um, they were having uh, sometimes dairy products, sometimes not, uh, depending on the person. If they had PCOS, I usually had them staying away from dairy products. Um, but they were doing, uh, you know, like some veggies, not a not not a lot of veggies, but some veggies, um, and then a very very tiny amount of fruit, and um, and like fats, of course, because you know keto is all keto is really all about fats. And these uh, were lower calorie diets as well. And so when I look back, I wonder too if it was really the keto or if it was the low calorie aspect. I think it was the combination of both. Uh, but there were a lot of like successes and benefits from that for a lot of people. And um, a lot of people wanted to stick with it and keep going long term with it, which is one of the one of the, you know, complaints or um, criticisms of keto that you often hear is that, oh, it's not sustainable. But I had several clients that actually did want to sustain it. And in fact, I know of a couple, um, a couple of people who at least who still eat that way, Um, even though I've kind of like been like, okay, you know, I maybe wasn't 100% like correct about the direction that you should go for your lifestyle maintenance. Um, but they still want to eat that way because it, it seems to work for them. So I'm like, well, you know your body better than I do. But um, what would happen a lot of times in these cases, though, is that there would be groups of people who who the weight loss was a lot slower for. Um, and these were typically women. They were typically women who weren't sleeping well and women who were dealing with like hormonal issues or adrenal issues that I look back and I know now like, okay, so this is what 
was sort of going on. And then people who had food sensitivities. Um, at the time, I wasn't really testing for food sensitivities or allergies. And uh, I started getting into that right around that time, like a little bit later. I, it was sometime in 2018 um, that I started kind of running food sensitivity on almost everybody that I worked with. And I started noticing that the people who had food sensitivities were the ones who didn't do as well on these kinds of diets. So the other thing that would happen is that there would sometimes be like if, if the person stayed on this diet for a really long time, so like more than six months or so, there would sometimes be a rebound effect with their cholesterol where they would start getting constipated. Um, and this was a big problem with keto, if I'm honest, was constipation. A lot of people getting constipated a couple of weeks into the process. And we, we would, the way that I was taught to kind of deal with that was to have them uh, do, you know, like herbs or um, digestive enzymes and fibers and things like supplements, basically to kind of like keep things moving. Not psyllium husk, but um, there are some more natural like fiber supplements that have like chia and flaxseed and things like that in them and like dandelion root that can kind of like get things moving. So that's how we were compensating for it. But I started, you know, thinking, I'm like, this, there's something not right about this. The constipation issue is a big issue. The more that I, I practiced and the more that I kind of like got involved with, with functional medicine and did more continuing education, the more concerned I got about the fact that a lot of these clients were, were still dealing with this issue. And, uh, so I started really delving more into weight loss and, and um, experimenting and trying to alter things to see if I could fix this nutritionally without actually having to um, use supplements. And at the same time, with increasing the amount of nutrients that the person was getting, because my, my opinions about weight loss started to really change around that time to where I stopped looking at it as just, okay, these people are coming in, they want to lose weight, I'm going to help them to lose weight, that's the number one goal, to why is this person wanting to lose weight in the first place? Why are they having trouble maintaining their weight? Um, what's the deeper issue here? Uh, and it was around this time that I started really getting out of weight loss work not because I didn't enjoy it or wasn't good at it. I could get people to lose weight um, and they were happy and I was happy to see them happy. But um, my my ideas about health just changed a lot. I stopped thinking that weight was the was as much of a concern as other factors. And I stopped wanting to... Um, I stopped wanting to shove that down because that wasn't what my clients wanted to talk about. So one of the, <laughs> let me explain that. One of the struggles that, that you often have as a nutritionist is most people that reach out want to lose weight. And that's the reason why they're seeking out a nutritionist. Um, you know, occasionally it'll be because of a chronic health condition or something like that. But the vast majority of people who are seeking a nutritionist are seeking it at least in part because of weight loss. Um, and it's really, really hard with people who have it set in their heads 
that that is what they need to do and that is what they want to do is lose weight. And if that's their biggest motivation, it's really hard to then take that person and kind of convince them, hey, weight loss shouldn't be your main motivation. It might be a part of the process, but like, let's look at the deeper issues here. Um, I found that that was kind of like falling on deaf ears, I guess. People were just like, okay, I mean, that's not why I'm here though. Like I want to lose weight. Um, and so you know, like keto would do it. But I started thinking, well, long term, though, what what's the impact of this? And the more research that comes out about the gut microbiome and variety in the diet and um, fiber and prebiotics and all these things, the more I realized that it's really more important to include as much fiber in the diet as possible um, than it is to cut carbs that low. So I started to come up with a system for a lot of people where we could still balance insulin, we could still get blood glucose down, we could still make really big impacts and all of this stuff, but um, we didn't have to cut the carbs so, so low. And it works a lot better for their digestion. It was a lot better for their longer term health. So uh, when I made that shift, as a practitioner, I also made a lot of shifts in how I thought about health and weight and um, what I felt like was really important. And so, you know, the early podcast, there's a lot of talk about weight because that was what I was doing. That's what I was helping people with. Um, but now there's not very much talk about weight because I've moved beyond that in my practice. Um, and what's cool is that now I've gotten to the point where I'm able to, I've, I've been able to specialize. And so people don't reach out to me for weight loss. Uh, you know, sometimes they do, and I usually just kind of refer them on. Uh, but I don't, I don't work with people who are coming to me just for weight loss anymore. And um, that's not because I don't think that those people need help. Um, it's just, I'm not the right person, person to do it because I don't believe in quick fixes. Um, I never have. When I, I mean, I originally started, my master's program was in functional nutrition. So I was always interested in this like deeper issues with health. But um, what had to shift was my own confidence and my abilities and my own, um, I had to really like you almost stand up for myself in a way to assert my authority, I guess, let's say, assert my authority as a practitioner to say, this is the way that this needs to go. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not going to be an easy thing. If you're not comfortable with that, if you're not ready for that, then I'm not the right practitioner for you. You know, I had to learn to stop attaching myself so much to the outcome of of clients weight loss. Um, because sometimes that's really, you know, that's really not the thing that needs to happen. And then I also, uh, so my opinions about weight, my opinions about keto have changed a ton. I no longer recommend it for the vast majority of people. I do still like keto in certain circumstances. Um, it does work pretty well for type two diabetics, um, on occasion, you know, considering if there are other factors that, that make it, um, beneficial for them. And that's on a case by case basis. Uh, and occasionally there is a type of person with PCOS that does do well on keto. Um, same thing with intermittent fasting. I'm not like, I don't do it for everybody, but there is a, a cohort of people who do well on it. What I have always dr dr driven to do 
still care about doing is making my plans for people very individualized and customized. I don't think that there should be any one size fits all in nutrition. So um, whenever I see somebody and they're like, I'm the keto nutritionist or I'm the, you know, this or that nutritionist, I'm like, well, either you, you have to be specializing in a very small niche, you know, or, um, or you're just putting everybody on the same kind of thing and it's not going to be right for everyone, you know? Um, even me, I'm in a niche now, like fertility PCOS, right? Uh, but amongst those people, there is so much variation on the diet types that I do, you know, whether they're, um, whether they're low carb or they are adrenal friendly or they're plant-based or they're this or that. I mean, there's so many different things that go into planning a diet for somebody. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that focus on individuality has always been important to me, uh, but is more important to me now as I have continued to, to grow and to learn. And I'm very thankful that I am not a, I don't have to be a weight loss only nutritionist anymore. That was a fun chapter, but I'm glad that that chapter is behind me and I probably shall not reopen it. Um, That said, if you are considering working with me and you're like, well, I do need to lose weight, we can work on weight loss. Um, It's not that I don't work on it at all. It is an important piece of the puzzle for a lot of people. It's just that it's not the main, the main most important thing of anything that I do. It's not going to be the main goal, let's say. I think the biggest way that my opinions have changed and that I as a practitioner have changed since the start of this podcast is in my um, confidence in my abilities. Early on, I was so always so scared to to do things wrong or to like not, um, follow the beaten path. Uh, I wanted to be a functional provider, but I also didn't want to like ever offend anybody. So I didn't want to ever say anything that was like outside of what is, um, I guess what is like conventionally accepted in nutrition because I wanted to be perceived as somebody who was very like evidence-based and, and science-based and all that. And what I have sort of come to terms with over the years is that um, sometimes being evidence-based is actually looked at as if you are not evidence-based. So there, there is so much warping going on with our opinions about food and our opinions about body image and our opinions about nutrition that you can be saying things that are on the cutting edge of nutrition research that are pretty well vetted and backed um, and yet kind of be called a quack. Uh, On the other hand, you can talk about things that have been like completely disproven or that don't have any real practical application uh, and, you know, be lauded and applauded for, you know, whatever. It's all, it's a thought game. It's a, it's an intellectual game, this whole space talking about, about nutrition. And what I've come to come to as a nutritionist since then is that my client outcomes really speak for themselves and they are always 
indicators to me that I'm on the right path and that I'm doing the right thing by a person. Uh, so instead of getting bogged down in, you know, does this intervention that my intuition is telling me to go with, does it, you know, is it going to meet the approval of the dietitians on Instagram? Um, or is it actually helping this person? Uh, I just go for the intervention that helps the person. And I have also learned to really rely on my intuition a lot uh, as, as a professional because intuition is not just this like woo woo thing where, um, it had, you know, you're, you're just coming up with things out of thin air and, and, you know, you don't know where they came from. Intuition is the combination of your expertise. It's a combination of your experience. It's the combination of your education and it's your ability to kind of come up with solutions that are maybe novel. Maybe you haven't done before. Maybe you haven't thought of before but that do have practical application. I've just come to learn that that sometimes there are things that really make a big difference in people's lives and are really helpful for their health, but still aren't quite like 100%, um, 100% accepted, I guess, amongst the nutritionists at large. So I've kind of stopped caring so much about what what all of them say, you know, I just get, I get annoyed at all the noise out there. Um, you know, the, the big intuitive eating movement that, you know, I mean, I think there's some value to some of that stuff, but then I also think sometimes they pendulum swing way too far. Um, especially for people with chronic health conditions, it's like intuitive eating is great. If your brain isn't sending constant signals because you have crazy insulin resistance telling you to eat carbs, which is like the worst The worst thing you could do at that moment, you know, Um, our bodies also has these biological responses that can get warped by by our health issues. And and sometimes what we perceive as being intuitive is maybe not intuition. Does that make sense? Um, I may do another podcast specifically about about that at some point. And I'm not trying to be controversial here, but I've just learned that there are certain things that you just kind of have to ignore as a practitioner and you have to just do what you know works and what's helping people. And always, always keep assessing yourself and checking yourself and making sure that you are, um, that you're staying up to date on, on what's new in, in research. So I often find too that whatever the collective at large is talking about is old stuff. Um, or people outright reject certain ideas because they haven't heard of it before. And they assume that if it were correct, that they would have heard about it either in their education programs or whatever. But the fact is that research is evolving and changing all the time. And I did, I hadn't got my master's. I graduated with my master's in 2017. So there's a lot of things that are different since 2017. Um, you have to stay on the pulse of all that stuff in order to really stay up to date. And uh, so I think that's a big change that I've that I've made. And that's something that I've been working on a lot this year too. For example, just- one example of that would be my opinions about food sensitivity testing. I know it's controversial. Um, a lot of people are like really anti-food sensitivity testing. They'll do food allergy testing like IgE antibodies, um, but they kind of turn their nose up at IgG antibodies because there's not a huge body of research yet. Yeah, that's true. There's not a huge body of research, but there is some. 
Um, there, there's a one study in particular that found that when uh, patients with IBS cut out foods that they had an IgG sensitivity to, it reduced their symptoms pretty dramatically. Um, and I have been running IgG food sensitivity testing for years now on almost every person that I work with and have almost never seen it not make a difference in their health. Um, so I, I could care less what anybody says about food sensitivity testing at this point. I know that it works because it work, it's worked for many, many of my clients. Um, I'm fortunate now I can run allergy and sensitivity testing. And uh, what's cool about that is I can see that the sensitivities and the allergies, a lot of times they correlate. And so there's, um, but sometimes they don't. So you can see things where you have a sensitivity, but not an allergy, and it still makes a difference when they take that food out for a while. Um, so I'm sold on that. Um, but I'm just not so concerned about, about other people and, and their thoughts. I'm also not so concerned about other people's thoughts about how I should run my business. Uh, early on, I had a lot of people like, well, I had a lot of like MLM people trying to get me to sell different products and get on with different things. I even had somebody like sign me up for an MLM, like they paid my membership fee or something, did not ask them to do this. Uh, but they did. Because a lot of people, when they see a nutritionist, they're like, oh, this is going to be a jackpot for me. Like this person's going to sell a lot of product. Um, and I was really scared. I used to be like really, really scared to say no to these people, even though I felt like it wasn't ethical to promote MLMs in my practice. Um, and now I'm just like, you know, I just feel more confident about that kind of stuff. Like, no, I don't do that. I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't do it. It's, it's great for other people. It works well for them, but it's not ethical in the, uh, realm of what I do as a practitioner. It's just not, um, it's just not. So that kind of thing, I've, I've just kind of come to terms with it, gotten a little bit more relaxed and confident about my abilities, my capabilities. So when I listen back on early podcasts, um, even though I had already been in business for a few years at that point, I can just see, you know, I see myself on the cusp of a lot of changes and, um, and I'm proud of where I've come from and where I am now. So Thanks for taking this trip down memory lane with me, y'all. Uh, if you haven't yet, I would really appreciate it if you like the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving it a review. Um, Five-star reviews are super helpful for podcasts. They are pretty much the only marker by which um, the different search engines kind of like show your podcast more often or not. So if you like the podcast, you think more people should hear what I have to say a review is always appreciated. Um, really, seriously, I, I look at all of them. We don't have that many yet. Um, but, you know, hoping as we go from episode 50 all the way to episode 100, we'll get a few more. So help a sister out uh, with that five-star review. What else? If you have PCOS and you are interested, I do have a PCOS community where we do some more in-depth videos uh, similar to, to this podcast, but a little bit more concentrated and with more direct advice about different things. Right now we're doing a series on different supplements for PCOS and I'm talking about who they're good for, who they're not good for, um, brands. You get access to my private client um, shop 
with uh, therapeutic grade supplements that you can purchase if you would like. So those are things that aren't available on Amazon and places like that. And it's um, overall, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool place. There's also weekly meal plans. So if you just want a weekly meal plan with a grocery list and recipes and stuff, you know, take some of the work out of your life. Um, the PCOS community might be for you. So there will be a link below for that. If you have a question for the podcast, you can also go to the link um, below. There is a form that you fill out. You can um, make up a fake name if you don't want me to say your name. Um, and I am answering, officially answering questions on the podcast now. So I have several that I'm going to go into, um, the next time I do a solo podcast and thank you for that listeners really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So, um, we're, we're getting to our 2018 goal now of this being more of a question and answer type podcast. We will still keep doing, Uh, I'll still keep doing individual episodes about specific topics and I will still keep conversations with Amber where you can stay up to date on my personal life. And then I will still, of course, be interviewing great guests. Um, But we will also have lots of episodes where we'll do question and answer, which I'm really excited about. So I can't thank you guys enough for being here. If you've been here since episode one, you're an OG, you know, you're awesome. If you have just joined me, um, today, or if you have been listening for any length of time at all, um, thank you for being here. If you made it to the end, if you made it to the end here, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you. All right. Well, have a good one. Talk to you guys soon. something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both i'd love it if you would leave me an itunes review and share this with a friend if this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer there is a google form that you can use to ask me any question you want and i might answer it here on the podcast i do it all the time and i would love to hear from you thanks so much for listening see you next time